You are listening to the Your Shining Self podcast for women who need messages of hope, love, and transformation. And now, your host, Tish. Today's guest was successfully building her business for 20 plus years, and she thought she had life by the tail. Little did she know what was in store. One morning in 2014, her life changed drastically when she suffered a major stroke. Over time, she learned to walk again, but struggled with aphasia, a language disorder, but eventually she regained her speech too. She created Stroke Forward because she felt there is a need to share hope to stroke survivors and their caretakers. Learning to become her own health advocate one step at a time and exploring holistic methods for healing are keys to her recovery. She speaks and shares her message of hope, inspiration, healing, and a way forward as she goes across the country. She welcomes new opportunities to help individuals affected by major health crises move ahead. You can find her at strokeforward.com. To get the show notes from today's episode, be sure to head on over to shiningself.com forward slash 34. Hey there, listeners. Today, I am excited to have my guest, Marsha Moran, with me. Marsha, thank you so much for taking time out of your day to be here with me and my listeners. Thank you, Tish. It's my pleasure to be here. All right. So you guys, today we are going to talk about Marsha's stroke. So one of the things when her and I were touching base before um, this interview was, and this is not the first time that I've heard this from somebody that, you know, has suffered um, a health related issue or, you know, something pretty traumatic, but they all say one thing, and that's that they thought that they had life by the tail or by the bull's horn, however you want to say it. Um, but, you know, Marsha, you said, little did you know what was in store. So can you kind of set myself and my listeners up before we jump into the stroke? What was going on in your life before that happened? Well, I used to think that I lived, led a perfect life. I worked for myself and it was, the company was about three years old and it had gotten to the point where it was making the kind of money I wanted to make. My husband and I bought a lake house. So we came up to the lake house and we spent our weekends up here. Um, And we had our two cats and birds come up with us. (laughs) We thought it was pretty nice. And um, yeah. I suddenly had a stroke one morning and I had no idea what it was when I had it. So Marsha, were you having any health issues before that morning? I had something two weeks before and I had been to the movies, had popcorn with a lot of salt on it. And when I got home, I felt funny. So I took um, an anxiety pill actually, and my blood pressure didn't go down. So I went into the ER and they didn't do anything. And they finally sent me home. And that's the only time I thought of anything of it. Wow, that, that gives me goosebumps. And Mm -hmm. Marsha, before we started recording, you and I were chatting, but listeners, um, you know, recently I went into the emergency room 
And when I got there, I was told that I could have had a stroke. My blood pressure was 247 over 107. After I spent six and a half hours in the emergency room, you know, they did EKGs, um, full blood workup. Um, I was also having some pain in my legs. So they did an ultrasound to test, you know, to make sure that there was no blood clots. Um, so all sorts of stuff. And, you know, after all that time, they, um, you know, basically just say that the best guess was it was anxiety related and I had a panic attack. So Marsha, hearing you, you know, just share that with me, like, oh my gosh, that gave me goosebumps. Like how crazy that, you know, something cannot show up when they are testing something. And then, you know, a couple of weeks later, something as severe as having a stroke happens. So, yeah. oh, sorry, go ahead. I didn't mean to interrupt you. Go ahead. So the interesting thing about my stroke is that one to 2% of stroke survivors have it. And it's a carotid artery dissection. So a piece of my carotid artery tears off and it forms a lumen and a clot forms in it. And the clot breaks free and goes up to my brain. And then I have a stroke. So nobody thought I would have a stroke. You know, I didn't. My husband right. didn't. <laughs> and so I actually didn't know that 35% of people less than 65 have strokes. Wow. Babies on up. So, yeah, it's frightening. That is really, that's a huge st statistic. I had no idea it was that high. Yep. So there are 4.5 million stroke survivors in the U.S. alone. Oh my gosh. Wow. Yep. yep. So Marsha, take my listeners to the morning of the stroke. Do you wake up and get about your day and then something happens? Or did you wake up feeling weird? I say off because that's all I can explain about last Monday. I just felt off. That's a good way to describe it. So it was Sunday morning and I woke up and I felt off. So I reached over and texted my friend, Michelle, that I wouldn't meet her for breakfast and I couldn't read my text. And I thought, well, that's really weird. Well, I'll just text her later. And I put the phone down. I rolled over on my left hand side and I had the worst headache imaginable just hit me, bam. And despite the pain, I fell asleep. The next time I woke up, I was paralyzed on my right hand side. Wow. Exactly, wow. I knew that I either had to get up and get help or prob probably would not make it. So I rolled myself out of bed and dragged myself across the carpet using the carpet for purchase. And unfortunately the door was closed. So when I hit the door, I had to reach up for the handle. And of course my body is kind of laid down on the floor. So it was really hard to reach up. And I don't know how many times it took me to get it, but it finally snuck open. 
and I took a break because I was sweaty and it was horrible. I finally got enough gumption to drag myself down the hall and I was probably two thirds of the way down the hall and I ran out of gas and I just had nothing left in me. Now I could hear my husband downstairs watching TV and I knew that he was going to come up sometime for soda. <laughs> I just wished it would be real soon, you know? And all of a sudden, crash. I don't know what fell, but something fell and he came up to see me or he came upstairs, he saw me and he asked if I was all right. And that's the time I realized I could say nothing. Oh he asked gosh. me if I could speak. Nothing. So he called 911. Yeah. So the. Scary. <laughs> yeah. Well, he didn't know what was wrong with me. I still didn't know what was wrong with me. Mm -hmm. So the first words out of one of the paramedics said is, when did she have the stroke? <laughs> That's what he said. It's like, okay. <laughs> So he was devastated and I was, I was thinking, well, this is it for me. <laughs> yeah. How, how scary. I mean, like as you're sharing, I just have goosebumps, you know, listening to that. So the paramedics get there. I'm assuming they get you to the hospital. Um, yep. What, like, what's it like as you're in the hospital? You're aware of what's going on, but are you able to speak at this point yet? So actually, when I got to the hospital, I had um, gone unconscious while I was, while I was in the hospital, uh, ambulance. So when they were testing me and running all tests that they run on you, I was completely out. The first thing I noticed when I woke up was that somebody had dressed me in a hospital gown. Somebody had stuck a needle in my left arm and my husband was there. And I don't think I spoke the first moment. I think I spoke like one or two words the first day in the evening, but it took a long time for me to think about what I wanted to say. And sometimes even if I knew what I wanted to say, I couldn't say it. How frustrating to know that you want to say something and not being able to say it. Yeah, <laughs> it's something I'm quite aware with now. <laughs> <laughs> so Marsha, how long are you in the hospital for? I was in the hospital from Sunday to Thursday. And then I spent two weeks in the rehab hospital. Okay, that's week... my next question. Oh, sorry. Okay. <laughs> Go ahead. No. So um, in the hospital, I'd say that two things are significant for me. The one is the toilet. So when I was released from the ER, the nurse rolled me upstairs and into my room and she stopped by the bathroom and got me all set up. And then she went out to make my bed. And I was a stroke patient. So I think that's the wrong thing to do because nothing 
held me up on the right hand side. So of course I went crash. <laughs> oh my goodness. And she and my husband came in. And at that point, my husband realized that he had to become my advocate because no one else was looking out for me. And I'm not saying anything bad about the nurses. I'm saying that the person who will take care of you has got to be the one who's going to be your advocate, period. There's the, the, the nursing staff is so overworked that I can't really blame her for that, you know? The next thing I would say we should discuss is that I had dysphagia, which is um, the choking sensor was turned off and I was supposed to have liquids. <laughs> and the kitchen sent up chicken for lunch oh, one day. No. <laughs> yep. So I was going, ooh, chicken, yay, <laughs> right? I stuck it in my mouth and I'm not sure how they got it out, but I choked on it. And the nurse came into my room and she chastised me because I had eaten the chicken. It's like, okay, I have no upper brain function right now. <laughs> I mean, I see food, I eat it. <laughs> and so that's another point where my husband understood that he really needed to look out for me. And actually he thought he would watch me die. Oh my goodness. Yep. So, yeah. So... Okay, so after all of this and your release to go home, take us to, I mean, obviously your life has changed drastically because you've had this stroke, um, you know, your husband's having to advocate for you, take care of you. What, like how, what's it like to go home after you've had a stroke? What, um, like how, I mean, it's such a, silly question to ask because it seems like everything has now changed but how has your life how did your life have to change once you came home okay well we have a split level house so when I came home I was taken upstairs and I could walk upstairs but there was somebody behind me and I was told that I had to stay on the top floor, which was fine. The bedroom, we had a water bed. And so the first time I laid down on it, I realized I couldn't get up. <laughs> oh my gosh. It's like, <laughs> okay, now what? So <laughs> I put an air bed out in the living room and I laid on the air bed for months. And I got up every day, I took a shower, I brushed my teeth, I combed my hair and went to bed. And I did those individually. So I got up, I took a shower, got dressed and went back to bed. I got up, I combed my hair, I went to bed, got up, 
brush my teeth, went to bed. And I also did my um, exercises. So I had physical therapy, occupational therapy, and speech therapy. I did all those for months. That's, that's all I did. So, yeah. Marsha, what, because, you know, sometimes you hear about somebody that's had a stroke and I don't know if give up is the right word, but that's what's coming to my head at the moment. They basically give up. So they're not willing to, you know, try to learn to redo things. Um, what, like, what was your motivation to, you know, get up every day and do those things? So when I was in the hospital, I decided that I was going to run the 5k on my first anniversary. Wow. Yep. And that would have been a really good goal. <laughs> Unfortunately, I didn't make it. So I decided, okay, I'll make it on my second anniversary. And of course, I didn't make it. By my third anniversary, I realized that I wasn't going to make it. So I, but I also realized I was a different person. And I guess for me, that was maybe hard, but it took over two years for me to realize that my life had changed. Mm -hmm. <laughs> so once you understand that your life is going to be different, then you decide how you're going to make it different. So I was in the process of writing a book. So I finished my book. Now it took me two and a, uh, four and a half years. <laughs> so you have to understand that it's just not the speech that's impaired, but it's also understanding how to put the words together, mm -hmm. how the words kind of fit together in a sentence, how the paragraphs are formed, it's everything. So it took me four and a half years to write and publish my book. <laughs> But you didn't give up. You stuck it out and you did it. Yep, that's right. I did it. I mean, that's amazing. Um, Marsha, because you were just talk, you know, touching on the speech thing, let's talk about that for a minute. So okay. um, how did you, because I mean, chatting with you right now, you speak amazing. So what, what was the process of getting your speech back? Well, I had speech therapists and they taught me everything that they could and told me the rest would be up to me to just practice, practice, practice. And despite all the practicing, I still had aphasia, which is a communication disorder. So I could understand people that were talking to me and I couldn't speak back to them. As I got better, I could kind of speak back to them. But what was happening is that they'd be talking to me and say one thing. I'd know exactly what I wanted to say back and I couldn't say that. So I said something different that was close enough to get through. Wow. So I, I went to the Tuesday morning meetup group. And when I was there, I met a guy who 
had a car accident and had a brain injury. And he suggested I go to a chiropractor who did laser therapy. I went, that's really weird. (laughs) (laughs) But okay, so here's a guy that's uh, 74 years old and he could speak fine. He told me how he got fuzzy and he went to get uh, this laser treatment and he got unfuzzy and I went, okay, so I'm at least going to try it out, right? So I went and I talked to him and he said, Marsha, it's been two years for you. I'm not sure if this will do anything for you, right? So I went, okay, but it might, so we're gonna try it. He said, yep. So I tried it out and when you're laying in a chiropractor's office, you're laying on your back with your arms and legs laying down by the side. And then you do something called the cross crawl. So you make your left leg and right arm go up and then you switch them. So it's up, down, up, down with your arms and legs. And I felt really weird. (laughs) Really, really weird. But I did it because he said that it made the treatment more, I wouldn't say reliable, but it made the treatment more accurate. I'm probably misstating that too, but you understand what I'm saying? Yes, yeah. So I think it's weird, but driving home and throughout the day, I'm going, it's funny, but I think I'm speaking better. Huh. So I I was ready to go back for more. And then I was out running. This is in between. Um, I was out running and I fell down. I dislocated my elbow and I'm going, okay, I have to call my husband to come get me and take me to the hospital. We're in the hospital and they put me on morphine. And when I was on morphine, I could speak. Wow. So I went, okay, morphine makes me speak. Woohoo! <laughs> and my husband says, you cannot have more morphine. <laughs> <laughs> but why? <laughs> exactly. No, but that told me that there was something out there that would make me speak. Mm-hmm. So I was very anxious to get back and try some laser treatment again. So the laser treatment caught me, I'd say 40% there. And then that was it. It wouldn't work anymore. So in um, August of 2017, which was three and a half years after my stroke, my another chiropractor suggested I come in for neurofeedback, which is something he had just started. And he gave me the URL and I went home and I read about it. And it says it treats ADHD, anxiety, autism, strokes. And the thing that really caught my attention was that 85% of traumatic brain injury survivors who have this neurofeedback get better. Wow. I went, Okay, 
I've got to try it. So I went in and, and the first time he got me all prepped, <laughs> he put something like, I'm going to call it cat spit on my head. <laughs> all right. <laughs> so it was wet and sticky and gritty. So he put this ointment on my head so that he could connect the EEGs to my head. And he got the um, neurofeedback machine going. I could see my brain waves going across the screen, but I couldn't feel anything. It's like nothing. It's like, okay. Hmm. Is this really working? Well, it turns out it did. So I had 16 sessions with him and it, I speak today exactly like I did after the 16th session. That is so amazing. Oh my gosh. Um, so, so, so I've been back twice for um, just a little recap. Um, but still, if you think about it, 18 sessions over uh, three and a half years it's been, I'm really happy. <laughs> yeah. I mean, if I had not known your story prior to talking to you, I would have no clue that you've, you know, suffered a stroke because you talk yep. amazing. Yep. Well, thank you. So Marsha, um, you know, I love your story. I, I guess it sounds weird to say that I love your story. You know, I don't love that you had a stroke, but I love how just inspirational you are, you know, not just like listening to you speak right now, but just the, you know, you, you never once gave up and you were willing to, you know, you said at the chiropractor, it was weird, but you were willing to try it. Like, I just yep. love that, you know, that hope because to me, and I could be, you know, putting words in your mouth, but it sounds like, you know, you had just that tiny little thread of hope that, hey, if, you know, being weird for, you know, a handful of times is going to help me, I'm willing to try it. Well, you have to understand that after the stroke, I was weird anyway. <laughs> so my hair wasn't combed right. My teeth weren't brushed right. Um, I tell my husband I wanted to go out and we'd go sit at... Um, We'd sit at the local cafe and, you know, people looked at me or they didn't. I didn't care. Um, I just took one day at a time. And if I was good enough for people to look at, that's great. If I wasn't good enough for them to look at, then they could look away. But I needed to go out and be seen in public. I needed to go out and be heard in public. I think when you collapse and stay inside, you become less of a person. Yes. And I didn't want that. So Marsha, what, like, how was it for your husband? Um, I mean, he sounds amazing because he, you know, was advocating for you and taking care of you. Um, it had to have been challenging for him. Yes, it was. 
we still have our moments. <laughs> right. <laughs> so Marsha, I have just enjoyed, you know, chatting with you and listening to your story. We could chat forever, but I want to be respectful of your time and, you know, my listeners time. So before we wrap up, I just have, you know, one more question for you. Um, is there, you know, like one or two tips or a piece of advice, something that you just want to, you know, leave the listeners with today that's going to leave them, I don't know, feeling hopeful, inspired? Sure. So my piece of advice for the caretakers is to be sure to take care of yourself first. So you need to work out. You need to get enough sleep because a stroke is a long time that you have to be ready for anything for months or years at a time. And you also need to know that there's hope. And part of that hope is how you interact with a stroke survivor. So if you're encouraging, that be, that's really the best way for you to be. For stroke survivors, I would say that the most important thing to remember is one, there's hope and you should never, ever, ever give up. Excellent advice, that is so good. Um, so thank you so much, Marsha and um, one thing that I forgot to ask, so I have one more question. Can you tell my listeners where they can find you if they want to connect with you? Absolutely. I am at strokeforward.com. That's strokeforward.com. All right. And I will make sure that that is in the show notes as well as um, you know, a mention of your book and all the other different little things. So that will be in the show notes. So thank you, Marsha. It's been a pleasure. It's been delightful. That's a wrap for today's episode of the Your Shining Self podcast. Don't forget to subscribe, leave a comment and share with others that need a message of hope, love and transformation.